You are listening to Meanwhile, Episode 1. Today we'll be talking about transitions, in particular about the importance of letting go of things in our past. So let's get started. Welcome to Meanwhile, everyone. I'm Michael Terrell, an executive coach out here in San Francisco. And I'm Michael Melcher, an executive coach in New York City. And Meanwhile is our podcast that talks about everything that's happening beneath the surface, over the horizon, the questions behind the questions, whether they're about your career, your life, your future as a leader, or anything we feel like putting on the agenda. Perfect. And for today's agenda, this inaugural podcast, we've teed up the topic of transition. Uh, so often in our work, people come to us uh, in a period of change or uh, that they have a shift they're wanting to make in any of the areas that Michael just talked through. And we wanted to explore that topic in a little more detail with you all today. So let me tell you what I've been up to. <laughs> let me tell you <laughs> what, what's been going on. Well, many things. Uh, living my um, dual geographic uh, life in New York City and also my country manor in Western Massachusetts. But of the many work and personal things that goes on, uh, I did something this past week that I've never done in my life. Which is? Uh, I, re- <laughs> I rented a dump. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I rented a dumpster. So a big ass dumpster of the kind that you see on city streets all the time with protective, um, in the case of New York, protective covers so people can't just throw their trash. But it turns out that, that anybody in America can rent their own personal dumpster to fill up and have carted away. And so my partner and I decided to rent this, this dumpster. Um, we have this weekend home in Western Massachusetts, which is awesome and pretty big since it's way out in the middle of nowhere. And also has a barn. And for a long time, our barn conveniently served as a place where we could just take everything from New York that we had no room for and put there. But eventually, the barn started to fill, as did the house. And uh, you know how it is with decluttering. You do a little, you do one drawer, and then you just need to go lie down. Or you do one room, and it's just completely exhausting. Or you open up some old box of photos, and all of a sudden, you're in like an emotional spiral. So... We decided to rent this dumpster. They delivered it. It's a big-ass dumpster. And then we had a a week to fill it. And so basically, we spent the week filling the dumpster with everything that was allowed. And then today, the dumpster man just came and took it away on his big truck. I'm trying to think how much stuff would it take to fill one of those big dumpsters. And I have this picture knowing you. And if you were able to get over the, I need to be on the couch now. Uh, after one drawer of photos, I could just see you going to the top of your <clears throat> the top of your house and starting yeah. to just hurl stuff off. I think I would be tempted to, ma- to out the to windows make a game out of it from the way. basement. Well, here's the thing. Here's here's why the dumpster approach <laughs> right. works so well to decluttering. Normally, when you're decluttering a room or drawer, you kind of just look at it as it is and you think about what stuff to pull out. Um, but you're always drawn by the stuff that's staying in. But if you have a dumpster. Um, your objective is to fill up the dumpster because you don't really want to just send back a third full dumpster. You want the full dumpster experience. And so, yeah, it started out slow and we were arguing about to throw up. Eventually, you're just like madly 
you know, you, you, you go through your house with a different eyes, like, oh, can I put this in the dumpster? Can I, can I throw this in the dumpster? And your standards get lower and lower. <laughs> and what also happens is that you, you overcome um, all of your inhibitions. So something can be really inhibiting at first, but three days later, you're ready to just toss it aside. So all these files from work and old tax returns and stuff that I thought for sure I needed, eh, by the time it's 12 hours before the dumpster guy's coming back, you're ready to just chuck everything. So it was a super liberating experience. And, you know, I still felt there was tons of shit all over my house. But honestly, when that guy drove the dumpster away, I felt so free and clear and like, all right, I'm ready to move forward with my life. I've done my deep cleansing. And that kind of relates to this whole topic of transition that we're going to talk about today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it seems kind of on on point with, I think so oftentimes when people talk about change and transition, it's a thought of where do I want to go next or, or what's the goal? Um, but it seems like a great week of first clearing out what you need to let go of uh, or, or dust off before well, it, setting your it, sights it's forward. It's an area that people often overlook because we live in a pretty linear world. I mean, in our work, we use lots of non-linear models to try to get us out of conventional thinking. But the fact is, is we do, we are pretty linear, linear. It's always about what comes next, but you know, any line also goes to the past and it stands to reason that what we're capable of moving toward is also affected by what we're still hanging on to. And honestly, this gets more and more a thing, the older you get. So it's not just hanging on to old stuff. It's old relationships, old identities, old habits, old everything. And so we're in some ways bravely going toward a new thing, but carrying this ton of invisible baggage with us of all, of all kinds. And so a lot of, a lot of the work that we do um, in coaching clients is not just figuring out what people want to move toward, but also what they need to, to let go of um, and even get conscious that they're holding on to. Yeah, I think that's the thing. It's often sits beneath the the conscious layer of things, and it's it's always um, not always, but often, particularly when somebody's going for something that they haven't been able to attain quite yet, or it's like you know a repeat goal or or something, uh, a transition in career that people have been uh, struggling to make for some time. It's often some you know anvil from the past or from <laughs> you know something that sits behind them on this linear line that actually uh, needs to be addressed in order to actually make that happen. It's very much a, a meanwhile kind of thing. So you want to go forward and pursue your dream and grow. And meanwhile, you're lugging around this big ass anvil that represents your whole past set of beliefs and relationships and commitments that you're not even aware of. Yeah. So yeah. let's get into it. So I I understand that that you also um, have been doing a lot of work toward this goal of of letting go of the past and mass decluttering, if you will. So why don't you take us through that? So as we were you know kicking around this topic uh, in, in preparation for this, it started making me think a lot about this process I went through last year um, that I think you know you've you've come across and are familiar with. It's this. Uh, KonMari method by uh, Marie Kondo. She wrote a, a best-selling book. It was it was pretty big last year called The Art of Tidying. I believe it's a Japanese art of tidying. The Japanese art of tidying. Yes. Um, 
And I never actually read it, which is probably why I didn't get the title quite perfect there. <laughs> but uh, I, had a, I had a friend and colleague, actually, who had, had read through the book and uh, recommended that I take a crack at the, the method she suggests in terms of uh, decluttering uh, your life, tidying up your life. And it came at a time where um, not only was it just nice to pare down my apartment here in San Francisco, but also I, was, I had just gotten out of a relationship. Um, of five years. Uh, sad, sad face. Yeah, sad emoji. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll save the details of that for another time, but um, it did feel like I needed some sort of spring cleaning in my, my life. And uh, the, the method is, is really simple at its corest, and it is to only surround yourself with things that bring you joy and get rid of everything else. Um, which was an interesting concept for me because I, when she first walked in, I said, you know, I, I don't have a joyous relationship with <clears throat> my stuff, really. I didn't particularly connect with my stuff in that way. Um, but then she, put, she went and she goes into my closet and she pulls out two T-shirts. One of them is a, uh, you know, a T-shirt from, I think, leftover from college. You know, it's an old Stanford shirt, just sort of tattered there. And then there's another shirt that is uh, a Seattle Seahawks jersey. And she's like, so you're telling me you feel the same about these two shirts? I'm like, no, no, don't, don't get rid of the jersey. I'm from Seattle originally, so uh, <laughs> maybe that says something about the state of my, my tattered college clothes. Wait, but, so you were, you were uh, willing to toss the, the beloved Stanford tattered shirt? Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty haggard. It needed to go. Um, and it, it was just really interesting to actually, it became sort of the metaphor for going through this whole process, which was um, the, the, the Seahawks jersey did like, do, uh, does this bring me this sense of joy? Do I have the thought of tossing it this like no reaction that's differentiated from, you know, these other, these other items around my house. Um, but you know, I totally relate to what you were talking about in the early stages of starting to actually let go of stuff because the first, the first five hours of the day, the first half a day, I got through, I think my, you know, my shirts and my jackets and a, and a, and a few other things. And I was just exhausted as I turned to my stack of DVDs and just had this, you know, <laughs> I needed, I needed a walk outside and some, uh, some tea. Cause I was, I was freaking out. Can you give us a little bit more detail? Like what are some of the things that, that made it, that brought joy? And what are those things that you're like, eh, no joy, and you, you toss? Because I think we're always very fascinated with what goes on in other people's closets and closet clearing. The stuff that I ended up finding myself keeping or being in that bring me joy category was stuff that uh, had some sort of um, meaning that was Tr still true for me today. So um, <clears throat> I think there are a number of things that I had kept over time because it, it had some meaning uh, back in my past, uh, represented something at, at some point in time that I thought, you know what, uh, that's, a, that's a memory worth holding on to uh, because I should, or you know what, I might need that again someday if, um, but the joy wasn't really in it anymore, like in my day-to-day -day life. It was more for like a, a rainy day or an insurance policy or a what if, which sort of felt like it was just taking up extra RAM in my brain. So, it, so it's kind of like, um, it sounds like many people, you have the things that you need that bring joy and your you have utility. And then there's like this, um, 
worst case scenario or, oh, I need this just in case, or one day I might decide to improve in this area, or, oh, what if something happens? And in a way, those kinds of things, they take you they take you away from the moment you're actually living. You're kind of just hedging for some unknown future. And there, there is almost a certain kind of fear undertone, like, oh, well, life's pretty good, but unless I have this, you know, extra super ugly sweatshirt for some cold day, I won't be prepared for that cold day in the future. Yeah. I think it's, it's a lot of it's anxiety based. It's like, or, you know, what if, what if this, the thing that I, I want were to fail, could I go back to that old sweatshirt, that old relationship? Oh, if I toss this picture out and uh, I were to meet her again someday, uh, if I'm going to my relationship that I had just come out with, come out of at the time, um, will I regret no longer having that photo? Um, so yeah, I think it absolutely came from a place of uh, like hedging fear, anxiety, uh, and, and certainly taking me out of the present moment and what was most true and joyous in that moment. And then how long did the whole Mari facilitated experience take you? The, I did most of it in, in, in one day, like a 12-hour day. And then, uh, but I had probably 10% remaining that actually took several weeks after because I had such a, an emotional resistance to it. And it was essentially getting to those keepsakes, those photos, those old notes and letters, those, uh, you know, gifts uh, that I'd received over time, those sorts uh-huh. of things. Sounds yeah. very emotional. And then once you did this, like, what difference did you notice in your life well, I, I relate to some of what you're describing with the dumpster, which um, particularly when the, the guy came and hauled it away, uh, just having this sense of uh, freedom, like as, as if my, I could move my arms in both directions and every which way without fearing of bumping into anything. And um, it's sort of because the KonMari method is so physical in terms of you're actually reshaping your physical environment, the things you see on a daily basis. I found that once I had this sort of cleanliness and joyousness in what I saw, that that was sort of reflected in my mood and in my attitude and helped me kind of prime my days in a more positive, uplifting way. Now, now, what some of our listeners might not know <laughs> about us is that this kind of physical decluttering is not necessarily the place we go to first when we're thinking about like improving our lives. And since we're in the profession of coaching, really improving lives is what we think about every day, 24-7. And a lot of our work with clients, you know, we're not decluttering their offices. There are actually people who do that kind of stuff. It's completely different. It's more like asking key questions and digging inside and thinking about contributing factors and feeling bottled up feelings and then turning these into articulable insights and trying to come up with experiments from moving forward and ways to behave and very much moving forward in this kind of cerebral action um, way. And it often relates to the workplace or, or career, you know, how to become a better leader or how to get a better career. We never do any of this physical stuff. And I'm kind of curious, like, how that was for you. Yeah, I, one of the thoughts I had right after doing it was, you know, I should consider doing this with clients every so often. Um, because, it, like you said, it's out of the, the day-to-day uh, set of approaches and tactics we take. But I found myself more rigorous 
two things. One, more rigorous with my boundaries and what I let in and said yes to in my life in general. So after cleaning my apartment, being able to go and uh, be more diligent about what I let in in terms of you know saying yes to hanging out with, with friends or uh, saying yes to new clients and new job opportunities or building, building my business, which was really awesome. Um, <clears throat> the other is just having practice with being able to uh, let go and, and get over my attachment to, to certain things or people or outcomes uh, that translated into all sorts of areas in life. So I think it was really analogous. Yeah, the, the, what you just said, the attachment to people and outcomes, um, the attachment to status, the attachment to roles, uh, that's a huge part of, of growth as well, overcoming that. And so you, we both had this very physical experience, um, and we both came out of it feeling kind of energized and able to move forward. Yeah, but we can also... Um, take this idea of letting go and, and decluttering into other areas that are not about physically decluttering, but thinking about what, what, what needs to be left behind or what are we ready to leave behind? Um, so when, when people think about making change and moving forward, you know, we would come up with our lists and figure out who we should talk to and, and identify goals, but to take action um, one thing I know for myself and clients is you, you have to have some space. If you want, if you want good things to come into your life, you, you gotta have some space to receive them. If you're so kind of boxed in and tightly wound and scheduled to death, it's really hard to not just do new things, but even be open to new ideas. And there are a number of models that we work with, um, in our, in our work that, that, Talk about this process more specifically. How do we let go? How do we even know that we're holding on to stuff from from before? Um, for example, uh, I did my coaching training at this place called the Hudson Institute in Santa Barbara, and their core model it's a growth model, and um, it's probably worthy of having a whole separate podcast about it. But it really looks at growth as a kind of a seasonal thing. So just as nature can look different in summer, fall, winter, spring. Um, so can a career look different over over time? And in particular, they have this this idea called cocooning. And cocooning is this low energy period of settling in, of reflecting, of letting go, of examining who you really are. And it often comes after some type of dislocation, either something externally happened that was a drag, like you got fired or dumped or um, some terrible event happened, or you went through some kind of internal change process such that you realize, okay, this isn't me anymore. This relationship isn't me. This career isn't me. This job isn't me. This geography isn't me. I don't know who I am, but I know it's not that. And it's a super challenging period for a lot of people. Um, Some are naturally good at it, but for most, it's like, wait, I don't have my list of things to do. I, I'm not sure where I should be going. I, I just feel this big blank space. Um, but it's kind of like a tree in the winter. Like it appears to be dead, but it's not dead. The bark is getting thicker and the roots are going deeper. And what we're really doing is a kind of recovering and healing and sorting out. And the basic question is, when I think about who I was the past year, the past 10 years, who am I now? 
um, what parts of me are still the same and which parts are are different. And it's going through that that deeper process of sorting out that frees us to move into something new. Um, so what so it often means is that you know people will have this amazing period in their lives and then they'll have a totally sucky period and then they'll have this blank period. And when you're in the blank period, the cocoony, it can kind of feel like, oh my God, what, what happened to Michael Melcher? Where was he? Where's his energy? Let's get him back. But it's not really about just grabbing it back. It's more like settling in and thinking, what, what am I actually learning about myself? And what do I need to unlearn about who I am and, and what I'm up to in the world? Yeah, I, that line of questioning is so important, so compelling. I see it play out uh, really helpfully. Uh, certainly in my life and in the lives of, of people I work with. Uh, but there's something really hard about doing that for a lot of people. What what seems hard about it either for you, Michael, or for the folks you work with? Well, we we live in a world that is super action-oriented. It's always about what are you going to do next? What's your next big thing? What's your next film? What's your next company? What's your next job? Who's your next boyfriend or girlfriend? And and we kind of grow up thinking about that too, like oh, what are you going to be when you grow up, and where do you want to go to college, and then to grad school, and all this stuff. And so it's a very natural flow to move forward. And so when you just say, I don't know, I have no ideas, um, I'm 36 and couldn't, don't have a clue. It doesn't fit the social dialogue that we're always part of. We don't really have words to kind of deal with it. Um, so that's sort of weird. Like all our normal ways of communicating don't fit it. And I feel like, you know, a lot of us are very attached to certain identities. So just as some people will say in a romantic relationship long after it's faded, um, so do people stay in jobs or other types of identities that, that don't really work for them anymore. Because at least they can say, well, I'm a lawyer, or I'm a software engineer, or I work at uh, Google, or I'm a professor, or, you know, whatever it is. Because the idea of not having that word, I'm just Michael, I'm just a human being, that's sort of hard for people as well. Um, and I think finally, we, we, we don't have a language for it. So of all the different tools that I've shared with clients over the years that I've learned, I think this idea of cocooning is one of the most powerful because it gives people an out. Like, okay, I'm not, I haven't totally fallen out of the system. I'm not a weirdo. I'm going through a normal process um, and there's a name for it and it goes somewhere. It's not like this permanent loser, loser state. Yeah, absolutely. And I think your point about how the, the, the default uh, framework or, or model we're given from the world is one of move forward, move forward, yeah. move forward. It's you know perpetual spring time almost, and so to just give somebody per, give somebody permission or give ourselves permission to be in winter uh, every so often and ask ourselves those questions and actually think through what might it be really important for me to let go of um, or redefine for myself before I enter. Uh, that next phase, I think, can be can be freeing, can help quell some of that, you know, fear and anxiety, uh, and some of those those negative fear based emotions that you run into when it, when you're confronted with letting go of something, redefining uh, a relationship, uh, a job title, a role within your company, and and there's also a kind of loss sometimes to acknowledge, um, but it's a loss that frees us to move forward. So, with with my dumpster this week. Uh, there was this kind of weird moment. Um, about 15 years ago, 
I did this internet startup with a friend. Um, it was online immigration services. And we went through the whole thing and we got venture funding and it was, you know, really hard and it was really wonderful. And then it went through this hideous death spiral because it turned out that our investor was actually a criminal who then later went to jail for many years. Um, And not just from us. There were many people he defrauded far more than anything we have. But I was left with such fear (laughs) in that episode that for 15 years, I've like kept these files in case I'm ever like called into court and need to like write a deposition and prove that I was on the up and up and blah, blah, blah. And even when I was doing these decluttering, I thought, oh, my God, I better I better keep this box. And I thought, but I really think I can throw it away because um, he's in jail. <laughs> like, it's right. not going to happen. <laughs> and statute of limitations has passed and whatever. But there was something about it. And then later I realized, you know, I think that actually has – it's not really that I'm afraid that I'll be sued by this criminal who's still in jail. It's more that that whole identity of I'm going to be a startup millionaire and be successful and, you know, be worth millions. Um, that didn't happen. And it's not going to happen because that's not the path that I'm on. But I think on some level, I wanted to keep it alive in my head as something that was so relevant. But what this actually meant was that I had this box of dusty documents that was being moved from one location to another that represented this kind of energy that I didn't really feel anymore and had no desire for. And maybe I didn't need to keep it alive. And so I finally threw it in the dumpster and it was very liberating and I didn't even feel any loss. I'm like, Oh yeah, that was done like 15 years ago. So now I can focus on other things like my podcast, like our podcast, like our podcast. Uh, Yeah, baby. (laughs) Yeah. When I say Um, my, I mean, Anybody named Michael that I'm doing a podcast with. That's right. That's right. Any Michaels out there, jump on in. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so it, you know, it's amazing how much work we do in this space. And yet, uh, you know, we run into these things ourselves, whether it's in our dumpster clear out uh, in uh, Massachusetts or it's doing an apartment clean in San Francisco post relationship. These things are our hard. Work, our work is, is colored with our own blood. We, <laughs> we, we open up our veins for our clients. We, we do modern art on the side is what you're saying. Yes, we, yeah, we do. It's all, it's all real. So anyway, <laughs> every, every week we're going to have a um, tip, a, a, a homework, a little homework for our, our good listeners who want to um, use these things. So what's our homework assignment going to be for this week, Michael T.? So the meanwhile meaty tip of the week is to take this this uh, Marie Kondo KonMari method and apply it to uh, some aspect of your life. Um, in particular, consider making a few lists of things or people that bring you joy, and those who or that don't, and see if see what that exercise is like. And then see if you couldn't actually go about spending your time uh, around and with the things and people that bring you more joy. And see if you can't try saying no a little more often to the things or people that don't. Did I nail it? I think you nailed it. Um, and please email us, talk to us on Facebook or Twitter uh, with your results, and 
Michael, I just want to put it out there that you're on my on my joy list. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Michael. It's I, w- I would put you on my joy list, but I actually uh, we for our weekly Meanwhile Award. Uh, I know I got to pick the first one this week. Uh, wanted to give the Meanwhile practice what you preach award to you my to friend, me this week yeah to you as i was thinking about sort of the nature of what this award is uh it's an opportunity to just call out an example that we encounter in our life of people both kind of being in the flow of their life but t- making really intentional meanwhile choices and i'm just thinking about where you are my friend in your life with <clears throat> raising two new twin boys and s- launching this podcast with me and just embarking on your next book and all you have going on, um, not from the sense of needing to fix something in yourself or complete yourself, but just because you have this awareness for what you really want and are willing to kind of follow that energy that's pulling you towards creative projects, uh, creating life, and you're just going for it, man. It's, uh, it's, it's really inspiring. And I'm happy to be part of the journey. Well, thank you for awarding me our first inaugural Meanwhile <laughs> Award. Um, hopefully, it won't seem too nepotistic to our audiences, but um, I, I do pre- I I accept your award because what you said is true. Well, listeners, that is our first inaugural podcast, and the final thing we're going to do is we're going to close close each week with our own self improvement effort for the upcoming week since we're all about growth and self-improvement. And so my self-improvement is going to be to work every day on my book, No Minimum, No Maximum, because it, it's what I'm going to commit to, and it will make me and hopefully the world a better place. How about you, Michael T.? I am uh, sort of in the theme of this week. Um, I'm going to commit to saying no to something this week that might be seductive for me to otherwise say yes to um, because it doesn't seem like the thing that is going to maximize uh, my sense of joy or meaning. So I'll report back on that next time. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, this has been Michael Melcher in New York. And Michael Terrell in San Francisco. And you've been listening to Meanwhile, a podcast about the things that sit beyond the day-to-day. This has been Michael Melcher in New York. And Michael Terrell in San Francisco. And this is And you've been listening to the Meanwhile. Meanwhile. Damn. Okay, let's do that again. You take it.